Hello, 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 and welcome to Dismantle Racism, where our goal is to help you to eradicate, uncover, and to dismantle racism. I am so excited today to uh, welcome a guest here where we are going to be talking about God, patriarchy, and racism. And we're going to be taking a look at what do these three things have in common? We often hear a lot about God. We hear a lot about patriarchy and we hear an awful lot about racism. But today we're going to look at the interconnection of all three of those things. But as always, I'd like to get us prepared by centering us and grounding us and asking us to find our breath. So if you would, it feels comfortable for you, close your eyes and just take a deep, deep breath in to tune into that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with divine wisdom and your sacred intelligence, which is that divine part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices. Breathe in. Breathe in the knowledge that these choices that you make manifest your greatness while helping others to manifest their greatness as well. And as you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are a part of a shared humanity and you carry within you the power to heal and to be a part of changing the status quo. Breathe in and out, acknowledging the power of one contributes to the power of community. Now take a deep breath in and sigh it out. Yes. And joining me today is, is my dog in the background. As you can hear my dog moving in and out. I forgot to usher her out of the room before recording, but today she's joining us as well. So, as I said, we're going to be talking about God, patriarchy, and racism. When you think about your image of God, God is often portrayed as a man, very rarely as a woman. And with few exceptions, God is typically portrayed as white. And even when we do portray God as something other than a white male, it sends people in a tizzy. And so we're going to take a look at how these two things are interrelated. And in particular, how do we expand our care and our vision of one another by understanding God and patriarchy uh, and their interconnectedness? And so I'm so delighted to have as my guest today, Monique Chilson. And I want to tell you a little bit about her. Uh, as I welcome her to the show, uh, Monette is partnered with Trisha Hendren. And the two of them are partnered in this publishing group called Girl God Books. She'll talk a little bit more about that. 
Monette has spoken and she's written about the divine feminine for the past decade. She is the author of Sophia Rising, Awakening Your Sacred Wisdom Through Yoga. So she's also about helping us to get ourselves in alignment with who we are through the practice of yoga. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But she's written extensively on the alternative creation myth of Lilith. And she'll tell us a little bit more about Lilith, but she has a children's book named My Name is Lilith. And so we'll hear a little bit about that, but she has other books on Lilith too, as well. She's contributed to national magazines, including Yoga Journal, Integral Yoga Magazine, and Elephant Journal. So sorry, I'm tripping over my words today. Uh, Her work has been featured in several anthologies, including Yoga Wisdom, Warrior Tales, Inspiring You on and Off Your Mat, and Whatever Works, Feminists of Faith Speak. And I believe that Monette's message is relevant for all of us. It doesn't matter how you define yourself, but she is helping us to expand the ways in which we embrace all of who we are and our understanding of the divine and sacred. So Monette, welcome to the show today. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you, Terilyn. So I want to start out by asking you, you you do this work on the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. Tell me though, I believe yoga is a big thing that helps to ground you in who you are. Tell us a little bit about your grounding practices. I would say my grounding practices, and I think we have this in common, breath. Breath is my biggest practice because I can do it absolutely anywhere. And it's this like constant tether that I have to my sacred knowing. So my breath, I need to be embodied to ground because I like to live in my head. I like ideas. I like processing and writing. So I have to get out of my head and breathe and move. And if I can get out in nature and do that, that's a bonus. Hmm. You know, it's so really interesting. I, I find myself telling people all the time, just breathe because you know, it seems like it's such a simple thing because it's what we do automatically, but it's the way we breathe that make a difference. And as you're saying, it grounds us back to who we are and knowing that we have the sacredness inside of us that will help us get. I have to tell you a funny breathing story. My kids who are now almost grown, um, their whole lives have been like, mom, you have the loudest breathing. Could you please breathe quieter? And I was like, no, I can't. It's grounding me. I'm going to breathe loud and you know, you just have to deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. I love that. So, all right. So let's jump right into it. Yeah. You know, you do a lot of work on Sophia and Lilith and I, and I would love for you to tell us more about that, but, but before you jump into that piece of it, Tell me about what fueled your passion in the first place to make you say, uh, down with patriarchy almost, like what you mm-hmm. wanted to see God in some other way. So what, what like started all of this? You know, I think it's something that is 
has been in me from the start. I can remember as a child, I questioned a lot of things. You know, I didn't just take something at face value. I looked at it, asked if it was fair. I was a big fair person. I didn't like things that weren't fair. And one funny thing I remember, I think I was seven and I grew up in South Texas where it was very, very hot. And the boys could run around without their shirts on, which looked very appealing because it was very, very hot. And girls couldn't. And I remember marching into my parents' room with my hands on my hips. And my poor dad, I think, was the one that was there. And I said, I just want to know why boys can run around without their shirts on. And I can't because it didn't seem fair. So that was just in me. Right. And I, I, had a, I had a grandma who, oh. I mean, I have to give credit to her for like my feminist, the feminist part of me, you know, she was born in the early, early 18, I mean, early 1900s. Um, and she was a feminist. And when she was 89 years old, she went on C-SPAN's book notes. They were reviewing Betty Friedan's work and they put her on the air and she talked. So when I really miss her, I listen to that and I hear her talk about the contributions that women made that people never acknowledged. And I think that fueled me to be what I call an excavator of our, you know, sacred feminine lineage. Mm-hmm. So tell me about some of your experiences then within the church or within you grew up in Texas Bible Belt, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about some of the experiences that you had that led you to say, uh, no, I'm going to be a part of changing mm-hmm. a system that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I think it was just the constant exclusion that I felt. Um, God was always he. God was always father. God was never mother. She was never she. The stories that were told to me. And you know, when we talk about sacred stories, they are different than regular stories that you're reading at bedtime. These get into our soul. So when someone's standing up on the pulpit saying that, you know, original sin brought on by women, women can't be trusted, they don't make good decisions, everything that was being said to me just was slapping up against what I knew inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't reconcile it. And I'm I'm very stubborn. So I tried for a really long time to reconcile it. Mm. You know, I joined like this little um, girls in action, which is like the Baptist Girl Scouts. I memorized like women missionaries to try to see like, well, what did they know? Um, when I went to college, I'd already been baptized as a child. I went to college. I got baptized again thinking, well, maybe it just didn't take the first time. <laughs> like I just kept going back and trying right, to make right. it work. Yeah. Right. And so something inside of you said, no, no, we have, to, we have to do this differently. So then comes what, 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 then, what was the change for you to say, I've got to speak out about this and I've got to write about it and yes. write children's books. Yes. I think what that looked like between the like Baptist growing up and getting to where I am now I went through a period where I just had to set religion aside because my my attempts to reconcile it were not working. So I just set it aside and said, you stay over there and I'm going to live my life. Uh, I found yoga in my mid-20s, I think. And that 
was pivotal for me because that was a place. I mean, this was back in the 90s. So yoga wasn't everywhere on every street corner like it is now, right? right? There was one yoga institute in Houston run by this old guy. I went, you know, I walked in and I was like, something about it felt like I was coming home, even though everything was foreign, right? Sanskrit, weird smells, this chanting. But I was like, oh, this, this is speaking to my soul. So I just went with it. And I just kept feeling that that was what, not church, but that was reconnecting me to that spiritual part of myself that I ha- didn't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. But I did that for a while. And then we joined a church that um, seemed very progressive. Friends of ours were starting it. It was one of those non-denominational churches. It was cool. You know, I was going to teach yoga there. And I remember sitting down with the pastor who was a friend of ours before he, I think he was just starting the church. And I was like, what if a woman were called to be a pastor in your church, what would you do? And he was like, I wouldn't have a problem with that. And I said, okay, well then I can try this church. Like that was my dipping my toe back in. Right. Um, So we did that for a while and I taught yoga there. Um, But I found out that sometimes, which is probably why I keep excavating things on the surface, a lot of churches and a lot of religions will pay lip service to we respect women, equal authority, but did it play out like that? Not at all. Mm. Like, yeah, it can get it can get pretty. Uh, it, it 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 can be subtle and not so subtle, right? Exactly. You know, even in my, I am the pastor of of a church, and often I will meet other women who are pastors, and they'll say, "But who's your pastor? Who's your senior pastor?" And I'll say, uh, <laughs> "I'm." I'm the pastor, but I I can also see it played out in many ways when I am in a meeting where I am with other pastors and other male pastors will ignore, will ignore or intentionally, if they speak to me, will not say Reverend Doctor, right? They, they, there's no acknowledgement of my name. And it's the, it's the subtle things, but it's the things that, that you notice. So we have to take a really quick break. And when we come back, I want to hear a little bit more about the, the writing of the books, but I also want to share a piece with you by Caitlin Hardy Shelter, who I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she really talks about this understanding of portraying uh, the women in in the Bible and how male pastors don't even address our stories. So I think it speaks to what you're talking about. But we're going to take a really quick break, and then when we uh, return, Monette, we'll we'll jump right into Sophia and uh, Lilith as well. So this is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Doctor TLC. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today is Monette Chilson. Monette, before the break, we were talking about your experience uh, with churches and how you found yourself wanting to write about the divine uh, feminine and just to write about Sophia and Lilith. So before you talk about it, I, I'd love to share this piece that I just happened to say on Facebook just the, the other day, and I wonder uh, how much it speaks to you and your transition to write about the divine feminine based on what you and I have talked about. And so it says, sometimes I wonder if Mary breastfed Jesus, if she cried out when he bit her, or if she sobbed when he would not latch. And sometimes I wonder if this is all too vulgar to ask in a church full of men without milk stains on their shirts or coconut oil on their breast, preaching from pulpits off limits to the mother of God. But then I think of feeding Jesus, birthing Jesus, the explosion of blood and smell of sweat, the salt of a mother's tears onto the soft head of the salt of the earth, feeling lonely and tired, hungry, annoyed, overwhelmed, loving. And I think if the vulgarity of birth is not honestly preached by men who carry power, but not burden, who carry privilege, but not labor, who carry authority, but not submission, then it should not be preached at all. Because the real scandal of the birth of God lies in the cracked nipples of a 14-year-old and not in the sermons of ministers who say women are too delicate to lead. That's by Caitlin Hardy Shelter. Oh, that is just so powerful. I, I think, I mean, so much of it jumped out at me, but one of the, you know, when you start deconstructing things, one of the glaring disparities in the church is that blood the blood of Christ is revered and it's sacred. The blood of women 
that are part of the creation, that is deemed impure. Go to your tent, be away from us. You're dirty and unclean. So it, it doesn't make sense. And even the fact that, um, you know, the sacred birthing process and that women have, if you look at the creation story, that was even taken from women. And creation came from a man's rib, for God's sake. Like, what's up with that? If we can't have the sacred process that is divine and is in us. Right. 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 So then that experience, then what you've, what we've just shared, Mm -hmm. this powerful thing that, that uh, Mm -hmm. Caitlin has written, that's really wonderful. And then you sharing what you did about understanding that things, when you go to a religious institution are not equal in terms of how we understand the divine feminine and masculinity. Mm-hmm. So tell me about Sophia. Okay, Sophia. She came to me when I was still a little bit in that process of trying to reconcile that beautiful spiritual yoga feeling with the faith tradition I had grown up in. And I thought, surely there is a divine feminine. Like this whole Bible would not be written with just no form of the divine feminine. That can't be true. So um, I did a lot of research and Sophia kept coming up, but you know, in many translations of the Bible, she does not seem like someone who was there from the beginning of creation, co-creating. A lot of translations call her wisdom or even lady wisdom, which I always joke sounds like like the creepy fortune teller from (laughs) Scooby-Doo, right? Lady (laughs) wisdom. It doesn't sound big and powerful and reverent. Um, so she's not, she's not personified and we're not encouraged to embrace her, but she's there, right? Sophia wisdom. So that's what I ended up writing about is. So clarify the name, Sophia. What? Okay. Sophia is Greek for wisdom. And depending on your translation, it may say wisdom. It may say Sophia. It may say lady wisdom, whatever, but it just refers to, and it's very vague, which I think is very beautiful. Um, There's not like one definition in the Bible that says this is Sophia and this is who she is. She's kind of woven in and mixed a little bit with the Holy Spirit. But it's this idea of an indwelling of a wisdom that's there and that was placed there and that we can trust. Mm -hmm. And so you wrote Sophia Mm -hmm. thinking about all of those people and young ones, especially who need to need to understand that there's this divine feminine. But then mm-hmm. you branched over into Lilith for children's books. I did. Tell us about that. Well, um, when I was researching for Sophia Rising, I came across the story of Lilith. I was mesmerized by it. I didn't know what the heck to do with it because it was so crazy. And it was one of those things that I was like, how has this been under my nose all the time? And it was purposefully hidden from me. Mm. So the story of Lilith is this alternate creation myth. And really the Jewish rabbis are the ones that brought it to light um, in their Midrashic writings, which is what they use to explain discrepancies to the lay people that don't know. Um, So they said, oh, well, at the beginning of Genesis, it does say, that uh, 
man and woman were created from the earth together. But then a few verses later, it says woman was created from man's rib. And the people were like, well, which one was it? And they said, oh, well, the first woman who was created equally was Lilith. She would not be subservient to Adam. So she was, depending on the version of the story you hear, she was kicked out from the garden. She left the garden. She was expelled, whatever. Um, And then they had to bring in a replacement who would go along with the plan, Mm. the patriarchal plan. Mm. And that was Eve. Mm. So I, what I thought, Terilyn, is what a powerful message. Um, if you look up Lilith now, if you just do the, you know, Google search, it will, you will find someone who's very demonic. Like she was very much demonized. And when you look at that message that women who don't submit are demonized, if little girls are absorbing that message that is so damaging. Um, and what I wanted to do with My Name is Lilith is tell a story about a woman who was in a place and she realized she couldn't use all her gifts. She couldn't live her full humanity. So she, in concert with God, you know, in my, in my story, God gives her this ineffable word that's just her secret word. She's only supposed to use it when she really needs it. And finally, she knows she can't go on. She says her secret word and she's whisked away from the garden. And that's what we want our daughters to do. That's what we want to do. If we're in a situation that's not serving us, we don't want to be like, oh, I don't want to leave because everyone's going to hate me. They're going to say I'm bad. No, we want them to be empowered to do that. Mm -hmm. So how have your books then been received. I know you've won some awards for some of them, but, but how, you know, if you're talking with the people who are closest to you, friends and families, people, those people who grew up with that traditional way of thinking, I'm not talking about the people who love you and who are rah, 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 rah. Right. Right. What, how are, how is it being received? Especially if you go back to some of those churches where you had those experiences. You know, I was ready for it to be rough. I really was. And maybe part of the reason it hasn't been so hard for me is that I have a mother who is totally has a lot of the same feelings that I do. She had a lot of the same questions. She maybe just wasn't empowered enough to ask them or say them out loud. So she actually goes to every course I teach. Um, She's my biggest supporter. My dad doesn't get it as much. It doesn't resonate deeply in here, but he's proud of me. I mean, there are probably uh, friends who think I'm a little crazy, but I just don't think they've been the people that I've stayed connected to. Mm. And that's the empowerment piece, isn't it? That's what you're saying even about Lilith. You don't have to stay with it. So if you think about it then, right before I want to ask this really quickly before we go to break, then your understanding of then God has been broadened. Mm-hmm. How has that helped you? I feel more um, aligned with myself. I don't feel that constant need to battle and make what I feel inside match the outside version that someone's giving me. And I think after the break, we should talk about there's so much about that outside version of what is holy and what is sacred 
that is not inclusive of women. It is not inclusive of people of color. It is not inclusive of, you know, gender fluid people. It is, it is not inclusive. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem. Well, that's exactly where we'll go after the break. Perfect. <laughs> uh, we are going to take a, a quick break. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today is Monette Chilson. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today, Monette Chilson, and I have been talking about patriarchy and God. And right before the break, you, we, you, you read my mind that we needed to come back and have a conversation around the inclusivity or not of God in terms of gender, race, um, you know, uh, any number of things when we talk about inclusivity, quite frankly. Uh, but for me, I want to hone in a little bit on just race in general, since the aim of my show is really to dismantle racism. Talk to me a little bit about how your expansion of God in terms of gender mm-hmm. Uh, how has that expanded in terms of thinking about God as anything other than white? I think that once we give ourselves permission to do away with that image of God we were given as children, it opens it up in all those areas. So if God is presented to us in words and images 
only as a white man, what that's going to do systemically is elevate whiteness and maleness above all else. Mm -hmm. And it should not be shocking that what results from that is white supremacy and patriarchy. Mm -hmm. That is how it designed. That is not shocking. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just all the more hurtful in religious and sacred places because, you know, they speak love. God is love. And there's no place that it's more maddening to me to run up against this rhetoric. And I don't want to get political, but just for an example, like the just wild irony of people who claim to follow Jesus deciding that Donald Trump embodied their message. I don't know. I don't know how to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Like there, there have to be some major blinders on. And these people who somehow make that connection, they're emboldened by the fact that in their bones, I believe they see God and the sacred as this white man in a white robe. And if they can't see God as anything else, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Right. And so... So a couple of things about that. Then, when I grew up, having grown up in uh, the Christian faith, mm-hmm. there was the story of uh, no, uh, was it Noah cursing his sons mm-hmm. uh, for covering him while he was drunk, and so the children of Ham were supposed to be the darker children, and we were always taught, since that curse was there, and the curse was on Canaan, that's why, that's why we were considered to be the cursed ones, black people, so that's the message that's put out there, people believe what they want to believe about any faith tradition, but it still always is white and Male, And I don't care what the tradition is, even in those places where it could be people of color, there's still always a skin gradation, mm-hmm. colorism, the lighter the skin, yeah. those are the people who are in charge. And so what's interesting to me when I hear you talk about that um, is the stories we choose to believe. believe. Mm-hmm because it helps us to feel better about ourselves and it helps us to reconcile this, this, this is the way we treat people because we have this internalized, um, not internalized. We have this, this, this need for ourselves to be empowered. And so if you think about it in that, if white people are the ones who want to stay on top, Mm -hmm. white men in particular, they Mm -hmm. have to tell themselves a story about, we're supposed right. to be power. This is who God is. What I, I I met William Young once. He's the author of The Shack. Oh, and I met him when The Shack was out. He came to one of the local churches here and he was speaking. And I had a concern about God, how God was portrayed, not because God was portrayed in that book as a Black woman. I love that. Yeah. But the way that he had her speaking. And so I asked him about that. And he said, well, I just wanted to make her as diverse 
as possible so that people can understand that God can show up anywhere, anytime, anyplace, like in any form. Yes. So while I appreciate it, that at the same time, people already have a stereotype that we are inarticulate. So when you have this black woman, God, who shows up using broken English and in some ways it actually feeds into the stereotype while at the same time trying to expand people's view of God. So it gets to be really complicated. And, you know, of course there were a line of people in the, in the back of, of me. So I couldn't, I couldn't engage in a deep, deep conversation Mm -hmm. about this, but I appreciated on the one hand that he was trying to expand that image. I think it's always interesting when someone outside of a group tries to do the work of expanding it, but we have blinders. We have blinders on um, and we can't see what we don't know, which is why if you're not in community with people that are different than you, your blinders are just going to stay in place. Um, I had... I had an interesting experience during the pandemic. Um, we have an old mountain house up in North Carolina, and we've had it for about 10 years. And I was there with my daughter, and I had never spent an extended period of time there and looked around at everything. When we bought the house, we bought it lock, stock, and barrel, the art, the books, everything. And as I was still and quiet and you know, just being, there was nothing to do during the pandemic. I started looking around at the art on the walls and I was like, who is that guy in the uniform? Well, it's freaking Stonewall Jackson, like Mm -hmm. hanging on the wall outside my room. I started going through all the bookshelves. I started looking at everything and I had this whole pile of stuff that didn't align with what I believed that was hanging on my walls, sitting on my bookshelves, and that is just an example of how we can be this these processes these you know patriarchy and racism and white supremacy this is also part of the air we breathe if we don't stop and look around and take those things out of ourselves off of our shelves off of our walls that don't reflect what we believe we're going to keep perpetuating them and and I love that you're saying that because one of the things that I grew up with well we we see it now what color is Jesus? You know, blue eyes. I mean, and and it was Michelangelo's uncle who, uh, my understanding, who posed for this. But but I remember, not in our home, but I remember going in homes where people had black people mm-hmm. at this blue-eyed white Jesus. And think about the cognitive dissonance that you have to do there. You know, where there's white supremacy, but here's this. Here's this white Jesus. And that's and that actually pulled a lot of people away from the church too, who said, I can't, I can't get with that and I can't deal with that's what's supposed to be. This is supposed to be the person that saves me, so to speak. But yet, you know, and so I think that unless we begin to look at God, at religion, at what we're doing within these critical uh, institutions, unless we begin to break down the language that we use, mm-hmm. 
to change visually what we see, we continue to perpetuate white supremacy. And we all can perpetuate white supremacy, to be sure, because we can all believe in something and hold it dear. You know, I think about, oh my gosh, uh, not to get, as you say, political, but I think about Paula White, who was praying for Donald Trump in, in her church and talking about, you know, send your angels down. And I remember seeing the Black people who were there with her. Yes. Standing in that space while she was praying, they were walking around the sanctuary praying too. And I thought, how misguided are you? Because these are people who have their belief in a God mm-hmm. who somehow you've been, you, you've inflated who this God is and you've inflated whiteness with that. And you can't even see that. Right. And what was it? What, you know, here's the thing. Paula White has been, now Paula White is a white woman and everybody's <laughs> probably heard about this, but she also was under the tutelage of some of the most prominent black ministers, but somehow She believed that what Donald Trump was doing was right. Yeah. And so if people have difficulty, again, this isn't about the politics of whether you're Republican or Democratic, Mm -hmm. any of that. But it's about you believing and saying that you believe in something that supposedly has these high values Mm -hmm. and you can't see the racism and the other othering whatever it is because there was a lot of othering Mm -hmm. you can't see that because the image that you hold in your head that's and and you think about that so let's let's talk about this even more so when we think about patriarchy and 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 when we think about racism so if you think about god as a white male that means that there shouldn't be any females in power Mm -hmm. especially not as president and for sure, there shouldn't be a black one, mm-hmm. right? And right. so this is how it carries, carries, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you have to change the imagery. You have to change the words or nothing else outside of it's going to change. And it has, to, it can't just be, oh, I'm going to do it to check the box like people do with, you know, after Me Too and, Black Lives Matter. Oh, I want to check the box and be performative. It can't be that. You have to really, really see different images, use different words. Mm. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. You know, we have to take a break, but um, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about how you're moving beyond checking the box. Of course, you've done the work on Lilith. You've done the work on... um, you know, uh, Sophia, and you've changed in terms of patriarchy, but you're taking another step where you are taking a look at uh, racism as well. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Okay. Uh, We are taking a quick break. This is Dismantle Racism. We'll be right back with Monette Chilson. Join us every Tuesday at 4pm Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4pm, every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. 
Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Monette, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I, you know, uh, the other day I, I saw another post on uh, on Facebook and, and uh, I, it was posted for me on Instagram. And the post reads, I don't want your love and light if it doesn't come with solidarity and action. I have no interest in passive empathy. And that's really what you were talking about a little bit before the show, checking off the box and there being this passive empathy of, oh, I feel so sorry for all of y'all, which is what came up last year in 2020. So many people started, you know, crying and sobbing because they didn't know that racism was still as bad as it is. So you, though have gone beyond passive empathy. And in, I believe, January, you're going to be doing a workshop with Tracy J, who was on last week. And it's called Liberation, Freeing Ourselves from Racism and Patriarchy. Can you tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing there and why you decided to partner to do this work? I would love to. Um, Tracy and I are dear friends. And we talk a lot about our work. And so many times when we're talking, it becomes clear that the work she's doing with stories and lived experiences and gently taking people through that is the same thing I'm doing with pointing out the pitfalls of the patriarchy and letting women like wake up out of that trance and see what's real. And I think we were at lunch one day and we just started saying, we should do this together. Like, what if people could dismantle them side by side? Because there's so many things. And she and I text each other almost every day, like, hey, there's this. And this also applies to this. And look at this. And we see it the same thing over there. Um, So we just decided to walk people through this um, with the idea that we take them Tracy's really good, you know, in her hundred voices and her work of 
digging into people's lived experience. So she's working on a survey that we're going to do to start with to find out where we are, honestly. Mm -hmm. Where are we? How ready are we for this work? And then, yeah, yeah. So we're going to start there and um, we're going to examine where we abandon ourselves, where we abandon ourselves for to align with whiteness mm-hmm. or with maleness, because we do. And we've started talking about how women do it in workplaces, like even the idea of code switching, which is something that is usually applied to the realm of race. Women also do it um, to, to appear more aligned with, with the masculine. Um, so, Yes. So we're starting there and then we're going to work our way through. We're actually going to use the article you sent us um, on unpacking your invisible backpack. Ah, yes. Right. Two backpacks or one backpack with all the patriarchy and all the white supremacy stuffed in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and there have been so many versions of that, that article that people have done as well that you'll find helpful. But Mm -hmm. I love that the two of you are working together and really what you're talking about, Monette, is something that I try to share with people all the time, whether I'm teaching my courses on dismantling racism or talking on here, is that if we begin to look at the intersectionality of racism, it doesn't have to be this big thing over here that we're trying to handle separately. So when we talk to people about looking in your com- your companies and seeing what you can change, it's about saying, let's look at what already exists. Mm-hmm. And let me see, how can I just be a little bit more inclusive and dismantle at the same time? Because bringing folks in means that you're tearing down something that already exists. And so you also said something else that's really critical. You and Tracy are friends. You have a relationship. Yeah. I cannot stress that enough because One of the things in my experience that white people do is that they'll know someone who is black and they'll say, hey, you and I should work together on this when I don't have a relationship. I've been sitting in places and I'm talking to somebody I've met one time Mm -hmm. and they'll tell me about what they have on their website for their mission statement. And they'll say, perhaps you can take a look at it. No, I can't take a look at it. First of all, I don't work for free. Right, right. That's the first thing. Why do you assume that mm-hmm. I don't charge for my services to consult? Now, that, does, that doesn't mean that I don't ever give away any of my services. I get to choose where I'm doing that. Exactly. But what happens is I find that, again, white people that I don't even have a relationship with, and I hear my other colleagues talk about this too, where a white person will say, let me send you what I'm thinking about doing in a workshop. And can you give me feedback? No, because you're going to go out and you're going to make 20 times what I'm going to make because mm-hmm. racism will not allow folk to pay me the mm-hmm. same thing you're paying you, but you want me to give you feedback. These are the things that I think we don't mm-hmm. even recognize that we're no. doing. And no. that actually would help sort of tear down and dismantle racism. So I just wanted to point that out because I know that you and Tracy have known each other for such a long time and that you bring to this conversation honesty with one another and a willingness to be vulnerable and this idea that I trust you. 
Yeah. It's huge. So I can't wait to hear about what comes of this. So tell us when, when is it offered? It starts January 13th and we're doing six Thursday evenings. Um, and, uh, it's going to be about an hour and a half each night. I think it's going to be really powerful. Yeah. I, I believe it's going to be yeah. powerful because I know the work that each of you, um, you know, that you're putting out here into the world. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's going to be amazing to think about that. And you're going to open the eyes of so many folks. Now, is it just for women? You know, it's not just for women. Um. I envision the course being mainly women, but I would not. There's some courses that I teach with Girl God Books that it has to be a sacred, safe place just for women. But I think this one, we'd be open to um, processing with whoever wants to process Mm -hmm. this. Yes, because here's the thing. Men really need to understand this, right? Exactly. And to use that privilege, right? Just like White people need to use their privilege to speak on this and empower Black people to speak on, you know, to share the plot, all that. Mm-hmm. Men need to be brought into the patriarchy piece, too. Women yes. can't do it without having the group that's in power on board to some extent. Yes, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. So, Monette, we are quickly running out of time. And so I'm wondering, uh, before you offer us our Mm -hmm. blessing at the end, are there things that um, you want to say to the listeners that you didn't have an opportunity to really share? Mm. I think the one thing I would offer is in, in regards to racism and patriarchy, if you feel overwhelmed, and want to throw up your hands because there's so much to do and you can't do it all. Start with something small and seemingly insignificant. Like look at your bookshelf, look at the books that you're about to read on your nightstand. Honestly, I haven't bought a book um, by a white male in a really long time because I have plenty of them. And I've read primarily books by black women in the last couple of years because words matter, perspectives matter. And if I am only consuming, whether it be my Instagram feed or my books or my television stories that are familiar and known to me, I will not ever know the other stories. So seek out the other stories and the other perspectives. And that is a great place to start planting the seeds that will propel you to do more. Mm. I love that. I love that idea because it opens you up to seeing the world differently, right? It does. Yeah. And 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 I always say to people, start with the small things. You don't have to go out and change the world. You can't do the same thing that I do, or I can't do the same thing that you do. Start where you are because we've all been. And that's the power of thinking about our sacred source as being created, that we're created in that image, whatever that image is. Mm-hmm. And however we define ourselves, yes. right? And so yes. that's the beauty of that and going outside to say, look, there are all different ways in which we can right. express ourselves, right? Yes. So, so tell us, um, how can people get in touch with you? I am most often found on Instagram at Monette Chilson. 
Um, you can also check out Girl God Books on Instagram and Facebook um, for a lot of the work we're doing. And um, yeah. Great. And and you can find out more about liberation, freeing ourselves from racism mm-hmm. and patriarchy. We'll have the link on our Facebook page. Uh, and, and we'll also, if you'd like to get in touch and find out more about uh, that work and you can't locate Monette for some reason, <laughs> go to sacredintelligence.com and you will uh, see more about Monette there. So Monette, if you would, could you close us out with a blessing? Oh, I would love to. I'm going to do our favorite, our breath tethering here. So take a deep breath and let it tether you to your own inner knowing and goodness. Let the breath spread through you like liquid gold until there is no room for what does not serve you. On your next exhale, release those things that were taught to you but are not true to you. Release limiting ideas about what is holy and what is profane, acknowledging that the world may have it backwards. Mm. Trust that liquid gold within you when it alchemizes and brings forth an image of the divine that looks more like a black woman than a white man. Trust her. Trust yourself. Release any lingering idolatry that conflates holiness with a white man in a white robe. May this spiritual alchemy be ongoing in you, bringing your truth and your light to a world in desperate need. Blessed be. Thank you so much. Monette, for that blessing. Thank you for joining us to our listeners and stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 